Jennifer on the show with your girl Sheila O. And this is How Far. How Far Now? How you all doing? Hope you all keeping safe. Hope you all social distancing. Okay? Having that hand sanitizer with you everywhere you go. It's really, really important. Okay, guys? Really. Keep safe. But today, I have a very special guest all the way from West Africa. He's a comedian, a producer, a director, a writer. He began his career all the way in 2007, I believe. And since then, he has written several sitcoms, organized very popular concerts with A-list international artists, popularly known as Bovi. Well, he began his stand-up comedy, Bovi Man on Fire, in 2013, which he has hosted in Nigeria, at the O2 Arena in London. He's done tours here in America. He's done global, y'all. Bovi, how far? Ajay, I'm good, man. <laughs> I'm good and I'm excited to be here, man. Bobby, what's in your cup? My cap? Your cup. What are you drinking? Coffee. Coffee. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> okay Bobby, let's get right to it. Thank you so much for being my guest here on the Afrozone Show and the How Far series. So tell me, Bobby, how is comedy received in Africa? Okay, so... The thing is that comedy has come to stay. People love it because it's our way of telling our story. Um, comedy has evolved over the years in Nigeria because in the beginning, it was very animated. It was, okay, I wouldn't really say it was animated in the beginning. In the beginning, it was about storytelling, you know, telling stories and saying, oh, this is what happened. And then in the end, people will laugh when you get to the punchline. Uh -huh. Then it evolved into animated comedy, people telling stories primarily about poverty, things people have been through, and, you know, just coming up with um, stories that were not true, but basically they helped to convey the message right. of what the people were going through. Uh -huh. And then over time, it has evolved into telling your story as regards your personal experiences as relatable to most Nigerians. Mm -hmm. That's what comedy has evolved into. And in the recent months and years, it has also morphed into now telling stories that not just Nigerians can relate to, but mm -hmm. the entire world. Yeah. You know, people from all walks of life can relate to that thanks to the internet making the world a global village, mm -hmm. you know? So we now have comedians in Nigeria who tell stories that not just Nigerians can relate to, but Americans, Europeans, Asians, they can basically relate to. So yeah, that's, I, comedy has been very um, dynamic. Dynamic, well received. Okay, that's what's up. Right. So how are you surviving this war on COVID? Emotionally, financially, physically, how are you surviving? Because obviously there are no live shows. I know the cities are opening up gradually, but how have you been um, getting the paper? Emotionally, it's taking its toll on me because I'm, I'm, I'm um, a mix of, uh, I'm a hybrid of a deep introvert and, an, and a very expressive ex extrovert. You understand? Mm -hmm. So okay. the fact that I had to stay indoors was dry it's been driving me crazy. Mm -hmm. But thank God for my wife and my kids. Mm -hmm. I, you never really get bored being with yeah. your family. family. You know, so even if you get bored, all you need is one hour to detox and then you're missing them again and you mm -hmm. want to be with them. So it has helped me to bond with my family more. 
financially, yes, it has taken its toll in the sense that when you judge by the figures, by how much you make on a weekly mm. or monthly, mm -hmm. it was drastically cut off. Yeah. Right? I think I have done only three events in the last three months, primarily because those events, they had to record for TV. Right. Without an audience. Yeah. So, yes, financially, it has affected... But thank God for the fact that I already had um, presence on social media platforms like YouTube and I had content I used to put out on YouTube. Uh, so my income didn't drop. Rather, it went up right. as regards Training. what I earned from online yeah. presence. So my income went up there. But generically, my income dropped. However, as regards the online space, it came up because we had more people going to watch us online since they couldn't see us live, you know, and uh, since they couldn't see us perform at live shows. So, yeah, that's what's okay. up. That's what's good. Okay, uh -huh. so, Bobby, you're no stranger to acting. In 2007, um, you had your own series. I think it was called Extended Family. Uh, you also acted in a movie, uh, which is Your True Love. So, which is your true love? In no, you acted in a movie. No, no, hold on. Let me get this right. You acted in a movie called Her Day. It's right? Her Day. It's Her Day. So now, what I want to know is, which is your true love? Is it acting or is it being a stand-up comedian? Artistically, I'm polygamous by nature, which means I love stand-up comedy and I love acting. That's a good I one. I also love writing. I also love writing a whole lot, you know, because I've done two sitcoms. And, and then my online series, Back to School, making mm. it three, and I wrote all of them. And they've all been successful. They've all been hits. Thanks be to God, yeah. you know? So I really can't pick one of them because I can't substitute. Mm. I just, I make love to my writing on Monday, make love to my acting <laughs> on Tuesday, make love to my stand-up on Wednesday. Polygamy, okay. <laughs> I'm very polygamous by nature, you know. I, I love them equally and it helps me because they're all intertwined. Right. You need to be a good storyteller to be able to do stage. You need to be a good storyteller to True. be an actor True. to trans to you know to to translate and a story basically yeah. and um transport that story by dramatizing it. Right. You know, so I really can't pick one, but I think I've reached that point of comedy where I'm getting bored. Uh -huh. So I want to I want to reach out to a wider audience, which is not just Nigerians or Africans. I want to reach out to all races. So while I'm working on that, I'm like, okay, now is the time to focus on the movies, right. which is where I actually started. Uh -huh. You know, and I'm going to show the world that I have what it takes to to be the Denzel yeah, and the Tom, Tom Hanks. <laughs> All of the above. <laughs> the future. Bobby, what is the concept behind Bobby Man on Fire? Bobby Man on Fire is, a, is basically a one-man stand-up show. Mm -hmm. It was supposed to be a one-off title, but we, we, when we studied the Nigerian market, mm -hmm. we realized changing the title might, be, might, might be counterproductive in the sense that what they are used to here is that one title and you run by it. It's not like the U.S. where Kevin Hart does uh, a laugh at my pain and a uh, grown little man and let me explain 
and um, what's the last one he did? Um, you have to tell me that one. I'm more into Dave Chappelle, but I love them all. But uh, the me. last one Kevin Hart did was uh, uh, the Irresponsible Talk, right? Okay. Yeah, Dave Chappelle did Sticks and Stones, did the yeah. other ones and all of yeah. them. I love Dave Chappelle as well. You know, so what I'm saying is, what standard? The standard practice is comedians name every special by a different name. Right. I mean, their name is a constant, but there's something different. Based on what they want to talk about, the thing they want to run with, that's what it's named. So when I did the first Man on Fire in 2013, the next year, 2014, I wanted to change it. My promoter said, no, you can't do that. You have to run by the same it's name insane. because the first one was so successful. Yeah. We don't want to have to start again to sell the product and say, yo, the person who did Man on Fire is the person doing Bobby, Naughty by Nature in 2014, <laughs> for example. So yeah. we ran with Man on Fire 2013, 2014, 2017. Yeah. and 2019 but i made it clear in 2019 that that was the last one and i was going to change the title moving forward okay all right that's what's up bobby have you ever experienced a night of no laughs when i say night of no laughs have you ever been in a position whereby you told a joke and the way you rehearsed it in your head wasn't the feedback you got from the audience if you've ever yeah, been in that I kind of position how did you bounce off from it when i bounce started back? When my career started, I had those moments, mm -hmm. primarily because I used to be very scared. But right. what I now realized was that you can, a joke can be funny, but the comedian can not be funny. Mm -hmm. So if a joke is funny, but the comedian lacks the charisma, to carry you know, it. the mm -hmm. stage presence, the candor in his delivery and all, people will not laugh. You get? So yeah, I had those moments a few times, but I spent my entire life preparing for my career as an entertainer so those they were far and few between mm -hmm. however when they happened because i always prepared the script i always prepared what i was going to say it was easy to say oh they didn't laugh at this so i moved on to the next one you get that mm -hmm. was that's just has been my approach and um, okay. it has worked for me but if i want to measure the number of times my jokes fell flat to the number of times my jokes succeeded. I think it's 3% or probably 2% of them falling flat, but 97 or 98% of them connecting with the people because it's not, you know, comedy is not only about generating a laughter. When people are not laughing, you need to be so intense and so interesting that they are patient with you and they are yeah. listening to you and what you're saying. Right. And that's, that's one method I've always applied. How how do you um how have you managed copyrights? I mean, how are comedians protected from intellectual property rights or plagiarism? You know, people copycatting your jokes. Does that exist? Can you copyright a joke? To be honest, I don't know, man. And that's because <laughs> of the that's because of the uh -huh. the prostituting nature of hey, comedy. Word. Let's go. Of, <laughs> it's, it's because of the the, prost the prostituting nature of you know, a prostitute cannot be loyal to one customer. Basically, right. that's what they sell. So comedy is such that if I say, "Oh, I met a girl Sheila," and mm. um, me and Sheila had a one night stand, for example, mm. someone can pick up the same joke and say, "I met a girl Nicole." And me and Nicole had a one-night stand. Now, you know it's your joke, but he's tweaked it. 
Mm. In the big, so in the mm-hmm. beginning, I used to fight comedians who used to tell my jokes, mm-hmm. right? But it's uh, it, it, I don't think you can copyright jokes. Right. You can claim ownership to a joke, but it's hard. It's very hard because of the flexible nature of storytelling and nobody that story that drops in your mind is dropping in probably 10 other people's minds worldwide so there will just be slight differences for example comedy has evolved to the point like i said earlier on where you you tell jokes based on what's happening in society and how they relate to relate to you personally you get my point Uh so i want to tell a joke about COVID-19, for example, chances are there are 10 to 20 other comedians who will tell a similar story because it relates to them. So you can't really fight it. You just need Mm. to be good with your delivery of those jokes. You understand what I'm saying? Totally get it. You have to to carve your niche. Mm. So the way you tell your story is what will make you stand unique. out yes right make yes. you unique absolutely you know so i don't know if if people can copyright jokes all well and good because what's so annoying is when somebody copies your joke verbatim um another thing annoying. That, can, that can be very annoying is when somebody copies your joke verbatim and then takes it to the next level by making it more interesting so it's two <laughs> things that video. making you angry why <laughs> one you copied my joke two you made it better than the way i said it <laughs> you know. now netflix netflix okay doing great things come they've come to africa they've been there doing a lot of stuff for nollywood and stuff um is there a netflix comedy series or netflix comedy special done by any west or east african i know there's been in south africa is has there been any for west or east to the best of my knowledge i don't think there's any yet there was a comedians of the world that featured mostly south african comedians they lumped them together and um, it's a good thing for the industry especially when uh, for africa right but presently there's none before the pandemic i i was in preliminary talks with um aggregators who were like oh okay you need to record a special because they seen me perform and they know that i can hold my own for yeah. roughly an hour an to hour, one hour 20 minutes uh-huh. right uh-huh. but they was like oh you need to record it and then we'll market it to netflix and i'm like no you need to let Netflix know there's somebody who can give them what they want. An original. You That's know, right. because I'm an original. I don't want to make content uh, uh, and they would say, oh, okay, yeah, you have your content, bring it. Let's mm. see. Is mm. it good enough? Mm. Because that's where the negotiation starts. Yeah. And then I'm used to the big check now <laughs> and I don't want a small check no more. No. <laughs> you get the point. But yeah. Uh, post-pandemic, post-COVID, we just might have to see how we can tell our stories comedy-wise without the audience and sell it to them. Because one thing I do know about Netflix is that if the content is good, they will buy. They will buy. They will buy, you know. If the content cuts across, they will buy. So we are hoping to get to that point. Especially because 
when you consider the Nigerian comedy terrain, what makes our comedy very interesting, what brings out the juice is, is the pidgin English. Yeah. But the world don't understand pidgin English. And then you record in pidgin English and do subtitling, it takes away the juice yeah. of the joke. If you have to read it, you get my point. Mm. So as comedians, what we're now trying to fine tune our presentation skills and see how we can, uh, you know, tell the jokes in English in a way that it will be funny, not just to the world, yeah. but to our our primary base. You don't lose your indigenous base, yeah? My indigenous base, thank you. Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah, that's what we're working on now. And hopefully, I'm, I'm not in a hurry, man. I just want to make sure like everything I've done before, mm -hmm. people connect with it. You know, I'm not um, about quantity, which is yeah. the money, for example. I'm about quality. I, I want to make, I want to touch people's hearts, yeah. not just their pockets. I want to touch yeah. their hearts. You know, because if okay. I touch their hearts, I'll touch their pockets deeper. Straight away. <laughs> Straight away. Bobby, who are your US and UK, um, you know, style influences? Like, you know, who are the people out there? I know we mentioned uh, Kevin, we mentioned uh, Dave. I mean, who are, where do you drive your inspiration from, from your international counterparts? I mean, you're international, but you know what I mean? Those in the Western world, like, who are you influenced by heavily with comedy? Uh, Okay, I'll answer that question in two parts. Okay. First off, first off, mm -hmm. every comedian who has decided to hold a microphone has influenced me one way or the other. Mm -hmm. Every single comedian. I don't just learn from comedians who are good. I learn from comedians who are bad. Some comedians yeah. can be so terrible. So I learn <laughs> from them how not to be terrible. Not to do it. <laughs> I learn from them how not to goof mm -hmm. on stage. I learn from them how not to be boring. And then for the comedians who are funny, it's tricky because I also learn from them how to connect to my audience, but not try to be like them. I try to be as original as possible. Having said that, the people who have touched me emotionally the most yeah. on an international scale, Richard Pryor, mm. Dave Chappelle. Yeah. Right? I mean, Solid. like I said, the others have touched me from the Kevin Hartz to Eddie Murphy to Chris Rock to Tiffany Haddish. Haddish. Tucker, uh, Chris Tucker. Name it. Benny Mark, mm -hmm. Chris Tucker, Seinfeld. Mm -hmm. I all, I, um, Ricky Jabez. Yeah. I love, I love all of them. Gina Yashere. I, there are so many, Genius of dope. course, there are so many that are not as popular that I love yeah. their style. Because I'm not just uh, a major actor in comedy. I'm also a consumer of comedy. I love to be an audience member, yeah. you know, to enjoy what comes with it. You know, so yeah, your first that, customer. That, mm -hmm. And then the late Benny Hill. Mm. The British Benny Hill. That's what's up, yeah. I loved him right from when I was a kid. And my mom aided it, unknown to her, because I remember saying, why are you so crazy about this guy? She said, because when he get on stage, he doesn't need to say anything, and I'm already laughing. <laughs> yeah. You know, so, I Deception. go up to Tom Benio as a okay. kid. 
It's time for the segment called Talk the Talk, okay, Bovi? So America is fighting a war right now of racism and police brutality, which we're taking really, really serious. We're out here marching, all sorts happening, you know, standing up and speaking up for ourselves. What is Africa currently fighting? I use the word current because I know Africa be fighting things every day on the regular, on the regular. But what are you currently fighting right now in your territory that you want to speak on? On top of fighting talk? COVID. We're fighting COVID-19. <laughs> We're fighting COVID-19. Mm-hmm. I mean, this virus has made us realize that nothing else really matters yep. as much as staying alive and staying together and being there for each other to make sure we survive you know life life is the most important thing we have we have fought corruption for years we have fought nepotism for years we have fought uh tribalism and all that you know Uh but for me what's most important is recognizing that it's blood that flows in our veins yeah i mean um aa b plus mm-hmm. b positive right mm-hmm. and um if i needed blood today it wouldn't matter if the person is from my village or my state or my country mm-hmm. or my race yeah. if his blood matches mine or her blood matches mine they will give me save your life uh-huh. right to save my life so I think the most important thing for us is to realize that we are all human and um, our our backgrounds doesn't really count. What's most important is that uh, we are relatable as human beings by blood, you know, and by by language. Okay. What's next for you, Bobby? What's next for you? What should we look out for this year? Okay. I want to make a movie this year, and this decision didn't come because of COVID nineteen. I was, <laughs> I was going to say, is I, it COVID? This is it COVID no. that decided this factor? I made my first movie in twenty fifteen. It was oh. released in twenty sixteen. It's gonna be, it's gonna be on Netflix next month. Awesome. Uh, it's her day, you yes. know. And that's four years ago since yeah. it was released. So I'm taking my time basically because. Like I said, with my comedy, I just don't want to join the bandwagon to say, oh, we've got to make money every year. You know, I, I want to get it right whenever I do it. I'm a passionate person. And if um, anything is going to hinder the quality of what I want to make, I'll rather not do it, you know? So when I made my movie in 2016, I had my hitches, I had so many problems along the way mm-hmm. and i'm like okay i don't want to make the same mistake twice i want to get it right this time i want to make it better than what i have done before that's right so i'm going to be making movies and um my online series will continue and uh i'll make more new online series yes basically and i also will find out how to make it special the good thing about the pandemic is that we're gathering all our materials. So yes, content. To, if, if, if the world can gather again on that one hall, all well and good, I'm ready to give them what they like. As 
Okay, Bobby. Okay, let's play a quick game and I'm going to let you go. I'm going to let you go and get busy. I see you're having fun already. Okay. This game is called What's Your Slang? All right. So it's for people that are coming to your territory for the first time. Territory now being the giant of Africa, being Nigeria. What are the first four slangs you would advise them to learn so they can communicate they can communicate with anybody from the airport to, to wherever else what are the first four major nigerian slangs you're going to put out there for anyone who's watching the afrozone show how far now to pick up before they come into your turf go what's your <laughs> slang bobby what's your slang okay i'm not okay first thing i'll tell any foreigner coming to nigeria is to learn how to say what's up what's up in nigeria is how far how far yeah, you know, so when you say how far, don't say, oh, about two kilometers. No, how far basically means <laughs> what's up. Yeah. And then I will teach them ideal. Ideal means I'm good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You understand? Mm -hmm. And then when they see something that's impressive that they like, I'll teach them to say Mado. <laughs> <laughs> Cardi B, Mado. Mado, Mado. <laughs> and uh, for the fourth one, Ah, what would that be now? Ah. What if police stops them? What should they say? How should they act if the police stops them? Cops, whatever. What do you say to a cop? How far? How far? <laughs> say how far again, right? What's up? Yeah. And the, okay, so I've given three things they will do, uh -huh. or rather, three things they will say. Okay. After those three things, uh -huh. this is I'll give them one thing. They should know how to respond to, which is when they tell you bless me. <laughs> when they tell you bless me or shake body, that means you need to let go of some cash. <laughs> you just start praying for them. Know, basically, yes. Or your boys are lawyer. When you hear things like your boys are lawyer, <laughs> or I hear. You see, I think I've dropped about seven basically. <laughs> for payday. Bobby, you are such a great star. Really appreciate you. Thank you so much for hanging out with us on how far. I've been wanting this interview. It means a lot to me to have you. And uh, thank you for just spending time with us on the AfroZone show. We really respect you for that. Thank you so much, thank fam. You. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Hey, what's up, my people? Forget <laughs> that smoke is coming out from my mouth. I just want to let you know you're on to how far the number one online show this is where you get to know everything that's going on around the world, especially through the eyes of African entertainers. How far?